There is nothing quite as confusing in this world as religion. And yet the gospel is very simple. Something that is so vital to understand, it is very understandable that the enemy has made it confusing. This world is inundated with religion. It is inundated with ways to get to God. They don't number in the tens or hundreds, but probably in the thousands, the world religions that are out there. And they all approach the situation from a particular perspective that's very confusing. The very fact that there are hundreds and perhaps thousands of world religions tell us that man knows that he needs God. It also tells us that men know that there's something wrong between us and God. That a sacrifice is necessary. And that which God gave us in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the simplicity of the gospel, Satan and this world has confused with a thousand different ways to get to God. There are not a thousand different ways or hundreds or tens of ways to get to God. There is but one. There is only one way, and it is quite simple. And it's not by us doing anything to get there. It's by understanding what God has done in Christ to bring us back to himself. Go with me, if you will, to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, the third chapter. We'll look today at verses 31 through 36. John chapter 3, verse 31 through 36. I take it to be the words of John the Baptist. Now, one of the interesting things in the Gospel of John is when does John the Baptist quit speaking and John the Apostle begin writing? We're not told. But I take it that chapter 3, verse 31 through 36, is the words continuing of John the Baptist in his assessment of who God, who Jesus Christ is. So go with me to chapter 3 of the Gospel of John in verse 31. Very simple verses to the end of the chapter. And I take it that John the Baptist said this. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and he speaks of the earth. He that cometh from heaven, notice, is above all. Now listen carefully to the clear declaration of the scripture concerning the person of Jesus Christ. He's going to say about men that we are of the earth. And therefore, because our source is this earth, we were created by the dust of the ground. Our source is this earth, and therefore all we know are earthly things. But when it talks about Jesus, it doesn't flip the phrase around and say, He that is of heaven speaks of heavenly things. doesn't say that. It is very careful to proclaim that Jesus Christ is from heaven, but not of heaven. 
His source is not the heavenly realm because it clearly says that He is from heaven, sent down to us, but being from that place, He is above all. I don't think there's hardly any declaration of the deity of Jesus Christ that He was and is God when it says that He was from there and yet above all. It's an amazing declaration of who He is. Now when it says He's above all, it's not talking about distance or location. It's talking about His preeminence above and beyond the created realm. That He is the person, the second person of the Godhead. And He is God in the flesh. I want to read to you the words of A.W. Tozer in his excellent book, The Knowledge of the Holy. He writes it concerning the attributes of God, and he writes a chapter entitled The Divine Transcendence. Transcendence simply means that it is He who transcends above this created order and transcends above us. Listen to Tozer's good words. When we speak of God as transcendent, we mean, of course, that He is exalted far above the created universe. So far above that human thought cannot imagine it. To think accurately about this, however, we must keep in mind that far above does not refer to physical distance from the earth, but to the quality of His being. We are concerned not with location in space, nor with mere aptitude, but with life itself. He is from heaven, and yet being from heaven, you'll notice He is above everything. Above us. Above everything we understand. Above the universe the cosmos, everything material, he stands outside of it, over top of it all. What we're dealing with in the Gospel of John is a clear picture of the face of God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a wonderful thing to know, and that is that he is God And I am not. I don't have all the answers. Neither do you. When we fell in the garden, a fascinating thing happened to us. I'm going to run a rabbit trail for a few moments, so run the rabbit with me, if you will. When we fell in the garden, this is what happened. The warning was that We would become as God. And when we fell in Adam, the human race has been plagued with the idea that we are now God himself. Now none of us would declare that, but in our judgment of others, in our judgment of situations, in our knowledge of everything in the whole universe, in our failure to admit that we know so little about life itself, is a pure and simple picture of of the fall of sin and mankind. And it is a marvelous 
discovery. To discover that he is above all things and I am below him. I don't know everything, and yet he does. Look at verse 32. Before we move on, just a a quick note on verse 31. The best any man can give you is an earthly statement. And there are many good earthly statements of philosophy and statements of psychology and statements of rah-rah, live the life, enjoy yourself, and all that stuff. But in the end, without God, we all die and perish. Philosophy and the things that men can give you are like a blind man looking for a black cat in a dark room that is not there. You will look forever and not find life in anything the world will give you. Whether it be the philosophies of men, the materialism of men, the fame and fortune of this world, which are peanuts compared to what the divine truth is, that Jesus Christ is above all. If he is above all, then everything he says and everything he does takes on incredible significance. Because now we don't have the words of a man in the teachings of Jesus. We don't have the actions of a man dying on a cross. We have God himself speaking and dying. And in the end, all mankind will be held accountable for that. Look at verse 32. And what he, Jesus, has seen and he's heard, that he testifies. He has told us what the Father is like. Through his parables, through his teachings, he has revealed the heart of God and that he loved us and died for us. It is he who speaks. Notice, notice the end of verse 32. And no man receives his testimony. Wow. They don't receive it because they don't want it. Now, this is not a statement of exclusivity in that there is no one that receives it. Because look at the next verse. Look at it with me quickly. He he that hath received his testimony. So there are those that do receive that testimony of Christ. Who he was and what he did on that cross. But if I were speaking in front of a thousand people, let's say right now. Giving them the testimony of Jesus Christ. And three people came forward and received that testimony. And the other 997 walked out of the room. Then I could say no one really received that testimony but a few. I think that's what John's talking about here. Now what you have this time of year is a lot of activity. You have the world lit up with Christmas lights. And I'm not against Christmas lights. I like them myself. But you have people run into the mall darting through traffic, wanting to kill each other for that special gift so they can celebrate the birth of Jesus. And you have an entire world that talks some about Jesus. Don't let that deceive you. 
when he said, little flock, don't be afraid. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. There are very few people who receive the testimony of Jesus Christ. Because in order to do that, in order to receive what Jesus has said as truth, then the reason and intellect of man is insulted by that. Because he speaks of that which he has seen and testified of that which he has heard from another realm. And to receive Christ's statements of another realm, one must reject much of what they believe and think about this realm. It's not a violation of reason or intellect. It is an admission that reason and intellect can only take a man so far. Because look at the next statement. Verse 32. And what he has seen and heard, he testifies, and no man receives that testimony. But look, if somebody receives that testimony, he has set his seal. He has made a decision that God is true. As Paul said, let God be true, let every man be a liar. We are those who in this place believe in God. But let me be very specific. It is not the God of the world religions all around you. It is not the God of the Muslims, who is no God at all. It is not the God of the Hindus or the Buddhists. It is not the God of Harry Krishna or the Jehovah Witnesses or the Mormons. It is not the God of any religion you want to put your finger on. What we believe in this place is in the God of the Bible. We believe in the God who is the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as His Son, the second person of the Godhead. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. That truth can only be found between the covers of this book. Let us be very specific and very clear in what we believe. It is not enough to say, well, I believe in God. This world would tell you there's a lot of different ways to God. There is but one, and it's Jesus Christ. And He is the one who is above all. And if He is the one that is above all, then He is the only one that leads us to Christ. Because if you listen carefully to the statements of Jesus Christ, He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way to the Father but through me. Few people receive that. But for we who are a little flock in this world, don't we shout for joy for that? The billions don't know. The thousands do. Perhaps you're today here and you're part of the billions who want to come to God in a lot of different ways. There is but one, and that's Jesus Christ. Because we believe in the testimony of Scripture. Look at verse 34. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. Who is he who God has sent? It's in the Scripture. It is Jesus Christ. He speaks the words of God and no man does other than him. Any man who says he speaks the words of God is a false prophet and from Satan 
and hell itself. It is only Jesus Christ who can speak from heaven because he came down from above and he is above all. The world hates that. If you think the world doesn't hate him, then you haven't looked far enough. Uh, Caleb showed me a billboard that's in Times Square this morning. Uh, it's one of those big flashing billboards. If you want to put a, an ad up there, it costs millions of dollars. And on that billboard this morning, flashing in the New York City, at Times Square, it says this. Who needs Christ in Christmas? And then at the bottom it says, no one. And then they take a marker and mark out Christ. And then it flashes up again. What's Xmas all about? And then it says, family, gifts, love, and all the things around it that have cut out Christ from Christmas. Sponsored by the atheists. Now we're not intimidated by that. We're not, because the very God we preach loves the ones who paid for that ad to put that up there. But this world has and always will reject Jesus Christ. Because who he declares himself to be from the word of God is God himself. Period. Look at the last verse 33 and 34. He that has received his testimony, the testimony of Jesus Christ concerning himself and what he did on that cross, has already set his seal, has laid his stake down, has, has said, look, God is true. Verse 34, For he whom God has sent, again, Jesus Christ, speaks the words of God. For God didn't give him the Spirit by any measure, he gave Jesus the Spirit in fullness. Verse 35, For the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. I don't know how simpler you can get it. Actually, it gets a little simpler in the next verse. Again, this world has made spirituality and religion very confusing. Look how clear the next verse is about who Jesus Christ was and is and how it pertains to us. He that believeth on the Son has eternal or everlasting life. Don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away from it. No jumping through religious hoops. No doing anything to appease an angry God. He that, look, the Father loves the Son. The entire universe, the entire cosmos, the entire creation, the enti everything in life is centered in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ. 
Christianity doesn't have a smorgasbord of things. It has one main event, one central person. We don't focus in this place on anything else other than Jesus Christ. It is he who the Father loves. And if you believe on him, now what does it mean to believe on him? Martin Lloyd-Jones has done an excellent job in in a chapter talking about what is saving faith. What is saving faith? Because the Bible says the devils believe also and tremble. What does it mean to believe on the Son? Listen carefully. It means a whole lot more than a mental assent of the truths about Jesus. Oh yeah, I believe he's the God. I believe he's, you know, I believe, I, you know, I believe. It means an action of the will whereby, yes, I mentally believe it, but I give my heart and I embrace the person and I commit myself to the person of Jesus Christ. That's saving faith. That's faith that brings the whole person, will, emotions, and intellect in in tune and identified with Jesus Christ over who he is, what he did on that cross, and you become a follower of the person of Jesus Christ. Now you don't stop thinking at that point. You don't stop learning at that point. But everything about your life is now colored by the person of Jesus Christ and the things he said and what he has done in you and the life he now places in you. Your whole orientation of life is now according to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We are those who follow him. Simple, man. It's simple. He that believeth on the Son, he has life at that point. He doesn't get it because he follows church rules or etiquette, has his hair cut a certain way or wears certain clothes. Some Christians are so bent on the exterior, they've forgotten that it's all about believing on Jesus in the heart and the interior and the life comes in. You believe on Jesus Christ, you have it. You have the life of God inside of you. Notice the clear, simple declaration of truth. Look at it in the next verse. He that believeth not, he who chooses not to follow Jesus Christ, who does not embrace Christ for who he was and what he did, he that believeth not shall not see life. That tells me real life is not the physical. That tells me real life is not the emotional. That tells me real life is not me getting everything I want in life. Real life is the Spirit of God living in my soul. That's what I was created for. And if you don't have Jesus, there's no real life inside of you. But the picture gets even worse. Look at the rest of the verse. But the wrath or anger of God abides, stays on him. There it is. What you have in the Bible is a set of what they called revelation facts. 
These facts are not drawn from the intellect of man. These are facts revealed from heaven itself by Jesus Christ about God. They have to be revealed to the believing heart. Because faith is a moral decision to come to Christ realizing that He is God and I am not. Seeing my great need for Him. I don't, I don't, I'm not quite sure how you get any simpler than that. Don't you love the gospel? Don't you love the truth that men have clouded up for thousands of years? But there it is. You can read it for yourself. It's clear. I don't have to muddle through a bunch of church documents to figure this deal out. I believe on Jesus Christ. I've got life. Years ago, I was in the Navy and spent four years there. And the Navy has a thing called the pod. If you were in the Navy, you remember it was called the pod. It was the plan of the day. Every day it came out on the ship. It told you what to, you're supposed to do every day. The sailors need that on the ships. They didn't know, so they got the little pod thing. And so they let us put a verse of Scripture in the pod. How many of you guys remember the pod? Very fond, a couple of y'all out there, okay. They, on our, our ship, they let us put a Bible verse in the pod. And I was in charge of putting the daily Bible verse in the pod. So one day I decided to put that last verse in the pod. And uh, I was called into the XO. He's the second in command on the ship, the XO's cabin. Now when you get, you're a, a regular swabby and you're a stew burner and you get called into the XO's cabin, that's a big deal. So I thought, Lord, what have I done to get called into the big guy's shop? And so in I came, sat down, and he said to me this. He said, Gaylor. He said, you're in charge of putting the verses in the pod, aren't you? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, couldn't you find a verse out of the Psalms that was a little gentler than that? <laughs> I said, well, sir, you know, that is in the Bible. He said, well, I know that. He said, but you've ruffled a lot of feathers on this ship. You know, and I, I, I forgot what I said. I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't promise him to put gentle little verses out of the Psalms, though. In fact, knowing me, I probably put something a little worse the next day. <laughs> this is the truth about Jesus Christ. I hate the confusion that's surrounding religious stuff. I hate the pluralistic religious atmosphere we are in in our culture that says, just believe something. Believe anything. There's a lot of paths to God. Look, they can't all be right. In fact, they're not all right. In fact, there's only one thing right. It is what Jesus said about himself when he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. This is it. And he said that because he is above all things. You either deal with that or walk away. If you walk away, you do not have life. And the wrath of God abides still, still on you. But you can get that wrath of God right off of you by simply coming to the Son, recognizing who He is and what He did for you on that cross. Three things, and then I'm going to take a shot, a little song, okay? Are you ready? I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Take a look. Number one, Jesus transcends all things. What you're looking at this time of year, a babe in the manger, was God of the universe. In fact, transcending above all things. Above any imaginary thought you have about God, He is greater than that. 
Number two, he transcends reason. You can't understand him. Well, how do you get to God if I can't get to him with my reason? It's called faith. It's called believing that God is true. And what he has said in scripture, I say amen to. Do I understand it? No. Do I understand how God who died on a cross 2,000 years ago can save my soul from sins? No. Do I believe it? Yes. Yes. 